Praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Our midweek service, uh, midweek sermon series, is called Beyond the Walls. And in this series, we journey to the cross through the outskirts of various towns as we highlight the critical events that take place with Jesus. Last week, Ash Wednesday, we focused on John the Baptist. And we focused on his baptism of Jesus. Now this week, we pick up immediately after that event as the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days. Now, if you were with us this past Sunday, you heard the Gospel reading, and it probably sounded very familiar. The temptation of Jesus. Now, we read this account as recorded in Matthew, but tonight, as it was recorded as Luke, but tonight it's recorded as Matthew. Just a moment. Yes, Matthew. So, Because I've already focused on the first temptation on Sunday, what I'd like to do is focus on all three of them holistically and view it from the perspective of God's master story. And to do that, we have to start with Moses and Israel and Egypt. So if you're familiar with that history, and I'm sure you are, the people of Israel were enslaved. And Moses was called by God to free them. There were plagues. Then there was an exodus. And I skim over all of this because of time constraints, not because the details, of course, are unimportant. We pick up where God's God's freed people walk through the waters of the Red Sea and into the wilderness. And the people struggle with trusting God. They even forge idols to worship. And at the very cusp of, of entering the promised land, they fail in their obedience to God and are thus turned back into the wilderness where they wander for 40 years. Now they eventually do cross over, but not without first experiencing great struggle. Now, that lines up in parallel with the passage that we just read the baptism that comes before it. You can see the similarities. Is that a coincidence? Of course not. It's an example of the miraculous orchestration of God's plan. But the question is not if it's a coincidence. Really the question is why. Why is it one? What's the point of the parallel? 
You see, it all comes down to who, who exactly Jesus is and what exactly he entered into his creation to accomplish. So place yourself at the point in history where Jesus is walking the earth. And at that point, you could look back and you could see these parallels. And they would confirm his claims that he is God. Well, look at the first temptation to see what I mean. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, Israel wandered in the desert for years, but could never remain obedient to God during that entire time. Jesus, on the other hand, remained fully obedient to him. In this temptation, Satan attempts to persuade Jesus to use his power to serve his needs. He was hungry, after all. But where Israel grumbles and questions God's will for them, Jesus does not. He remains obedient, completely trusting in his Father. Now let's look at the second temptation. Then the devil took him to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Do the Israelites trust in God's power and protection for them? Of course not. They fail in that almost immediately. On the cusp of entering the promised land, this is how they react. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. But you see, once again, where Israel fails, Jesus succeeds. He doesn't question his father's power and protection. Instead, he trusts in his promise. And with the final temptation, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, 
You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now this temptation is interesting because Satan assumes that Jesus will worship and serve someone. And so Satan tries to get Jesus to worship him. The parallel to Israel is, is, is obvious here as well. Again, where Israel fails, Jesus succeeds. And so back to the question of motivation. Why the parallel? We can take a step back and we can see a journey from Israel. And actually all the way back to Adam and Eve if we wanted to. All the way to Jesus. This portion of the path shows that mankind has sinned. Mankind has fallen short of God's expectations. Sin has corrupted them, and they're unable to obey God as He demands. But we find someone who can, who is able. He's able to completely trust and obey God And since no human can do that, Jesus must be more than human. He's fully human, but he's fully God. The path doesn't just end there either. It continues to the cross where Jesus suffers and dies for our sins. And then he's restored to life as a sign of victory over sin and Satan. The path doesn't even end there. It continues on to us today. So it's worth talking about what this means to us. Oftentimes, when we hear sermons or read commentaries on this passage, the message positions Jesus as a model or a great example of how we should respond to temptation. And there's some truth to that message. But that's really more of a minor detail, an aside of sorts. It doesn't seem that that's the main message at all. You see, when we think of ourselves as wandering in the desert of life, we know that we will face temptations daily. Some are from external sources like Satan, but others come from within ourselves. The sinful desires of our hearts. Can we really think the lesson here is that we need to try harder to overcome these temptations? Is that really what God wants us to take away from this message? I don't think it is. I think He expects something else. I think that what this shows is that God demands that we are perfect. But like Israel, we are not. And we cannot be. We can't 
will our way out of sinning or work our way out of falling uh, into temptation. Try as we might, we cannot do it ourselves. And that's the point. We can't do it ourselves. And so that's why Jesus came. He came because he can't. He's the one that can do what we cannot. This message isn't about teaching us to remember some special Bible verse or to speak to, you know, how to speak to Satan. Instead, it's a reminder of our reliance on Jesus for our salvation. Just as Israel relied on God to deliver them to the promised land, even though they never deserved or earned that gift, we rely on Jesus to deliver us to the promised land, an eternity in the presence of God. And we'll come to experience that, not because of anything that we deserved or because of anything that we did to earn it, but because Jesus walked the path that we could not. He walked a path in our place so that we could experience life everlasting. And so tonight, we stand on the path that Jesus walked, and we look back to Israel, to the temptation, and to the cross, and to our salvation, and we bow down, and we worship the one who traveled it on our behalf. Please pray with me. No guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. And no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I stand. Amen.